it's always when the scale doesn't meet like what you had in your head. Your expectation and reality are clashing right now. And it's not that the scale is the problem. You just had a, you, you just thought it was gonna say something different than it does. Now, this might sound kind of random, but this whole episode actually started or was conceived well over a year ago before I ever knew about Trevor. But like I said, I realize that sounds random, so let me explain. Last summer, I had this photographer coming in regularly to iFast to take pictures and videos of my athletes. Not only is it a great way to promote the gym, but I love promoting the work that my athletes are putting in as well. But here's the thing. I got one of these rounds of pictures back, and let's just be honest, I was not feeling how I looked. I don't think anyone would have called me fat or out of shape, but I shouldn't look or feel the way that I wanted to. But I'm also a big believer the universe has a way of sorting things out for us. So fast forward a few months later, and I've got my guy Cody McBroom on the podcast. I'd met Cody about six to eight years ago at my guy Luca Hasavar's gym in Seattle, and now on the show we're diving into his work in the online nutrition game, and I knew this was the guy to help me get back into shape. A few weeks after the show, I'm on the phone with Cody, who puts me in touch with today's guest, Trevor Ratsky, and the rest, as they say, is history. Trevor is an online nutrition and fitness coach at Tailored Coaching Method. He's also a black belt jujitsu instructor at Watson Martial Arts in St. Louis, Missouri, husband to his wife, Lexi, and father to his little Boston Terrier, Peaches. Trevor has been working in the fitness industry for over 12 years in a variety of settings, but nowadays he loves helping men and women create a stronger, leaner, more resilient version of themselves so they can participate and thrive in their active hobbies for life. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. I think you're going to love today's episode because not only is Trevor amazing at what he does, but I've been on this path with him myself. While my night might not sound like a ton to you, I've lost 15 pounds in the past six months. And perhaps most importantly, I've really worked to understand how to better fuel my body going forward. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the obstacles that busy men and women face with regards to their nutrition. We're going to talk about why having a white belt mindset is so critical to success, both in nutrition and life. We're going to talk about why you must have systems and processes to help improve or maintain your body comp. And last but not least, we're going to talk about why reframing thoughts and curating your self-talk are important, especially when things aren't going your way. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the past two weeks, because needless to say, there's been a lot going on. Starting with the big Slovenia trip, it was absolutely amazing, everything that I expected, with the exception being the extra day that I got to spend in Newark because I missed my connecting flight. But I'm not going to complain about that. It's done. It's in the past. If you followed me on IG, I did my best to make the best of that situation. But man, the six days that I spent in Slovenia were amazing. Amazing people, great food, love the coffee culture, 
And let's be honest, I feel like the seminar went really, really well. I love doing these events where I'd say moderately size. It's not a big event where you've got 75 to 100 people. It's not uber small where there's like five people. You know, you're in like the 20 to 30 person range. I feel like it's a great sweet spot where you can go off the cuff. You can go off the script a little bit while still making sure that everybody gets their questions answered and they walk away feeling like not only do they have stuff to build on philosophically going forward, but along those same lines, they also have some Monday morning value, some easy wins as I like to call them. So that when they get back in the gym on Monday, they know, hey, that person that they've been struggling with, maybe if they try this new exercise or this new activity, or they coach this just a little bit different, that they're going to get a better result. So as I said, Slovenia was amazing. Thank you to Matej, Jiga, the entire crew at Bigger in Slovenia. You guys are amazing and I love you guys. So what a great trip there. Uh, believe it or not, like some of my college athletes are already getting ready to leave this week. I feel like I've only had them for six, eight weeks, which I have only had them for six or eight weeks, but they're already back. You know, they got second summer term and then they're right into their competitive season in the fall. So I'm going to miss them. Hopefully I get them back here sooner versus later, but they're on their way out. Lost three of my basketball guys for at least the next month because they are heading to NBA Summer League. Uh, Excited to watch them. Also excited because I think I'm going to actually go. Uh, I have been in Vegas during Summer League before, but I've never been to the actual games. So I decided, hey man, there's at least these three guys plus another two or three that I've worked with over the years that I know will be playing. And basically over two days on a Saturday and Sunday, I can watch every team play. So it kind of seemed like a no-brainer. I'm pumped to go, and I'll definitely be talking more about that in future episodes and, of course, on the IG as well. What else is new? Summer with kiddos has been great. Uh, Lots of wiffle ball. The kids are actually out there now waiting to get another game in, so the all-time pitcher is going to have to check in here in a couple minutes but we got wiffle ball going on Cade's into the legos uh kendall has been doing a soccer camp they're both doing volleyball camp right now so trying to keep them interested and engaged um you know speaking of soccer kendall has actually committed to playing travel and i know some people have this very negative connotation of travel and what it is but i feel like of a lot of the travel programs around us This is the most moderate in the sense that, you know, it's an extra day of practice every week. Uh, It's a little bit more competition, nothing crazy, nothing that much more than what she's already doing, but just stepping up the level of competition a little bit. Um, I think at every level, you can be as crazy about it as you want, right? Like I've met parents in just basic rec programs at the YMCA or at just the general like township rec level that are psycho about sports. Uh, And then I've met people that are in travel that are pretty laid back and chill about it. So I think that's how we're going to approach it. She's definitely excited. She's, I think she's just ready, like mentally. She wants to see what she can do. She finished the season really strong. And I think she just wants to test the waters and see where she's at against some higher level competition. So definitely excited for her excited to support her. Kind of bittersweet because we did have a a fun little team and I had a couple girls that I've really enjoyed coaching over the years. So I'm going to miss being around them and coaching them, but definitely excited for Kendall. Uh, Let's see what else. Content. The podcast train's been rolling, friends. I mean, I feel like we've had some really good guests. Trevor's amazing. Jill 
couple weeks ago was amazing. Big house, always amazing. So I hope you're enjoying the shows. If you are, please help me share them, spread the word. Uh, the videos, I'm continuing to put stuff out on Instagram. So make sure that you're checking these things every day because I'm doing my best. I understand there's a lot of noise out there, but I'm doing my best to put great content out there and to continually help you level up as a trainer, coach, or rehab professional. So as you can tell, man, super motivated, lots of great things going on, ready to continue to kick ass and take names, and I hope you feel the same. So that is enough for me. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Trevor Ratsky. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Exerfly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, it's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the Exerfly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1% up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, but really aren't all that functional, or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the Exerfly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy, and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the Exerfly. The really cool thing is Exerfly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now, as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget. I can't afford it because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36-month interest-free financing so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this. If I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my Exerfly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. Trevor, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really, really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, so, yes, I live here in St. Louis, Missouri with my wife, Lexi, and our little dog, uh, Peaches. And I work for Taylor Coaching or Taylor Coaching Method, and I am your coach currently. Yes. And I also teach uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, here in St. Louis. And, yeah, so I've been doing – I've been in the nutrition fitness industry for, like, 12, 15 years now. Okay. You count, like, going to university and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's been a long time. 
I love it. I love it. And talk to me, what originally led you to the world of physical preparation? Like, how did you get started in all of this? Yeah, so definitely through football. Okay. Um, middle school is when I first started playing. And I remember my, I was, you know, whatever age my dad uh, bought me like a bench, like a weight bench mm-hmm. uh, for home. Like, remember the the concrete weights? Oh, yeah. Uh, that oh, would yeah. crack and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was, you know, I grew up on a farm. So I already had like a decent base of muscle just from bucking bales, hauling buckets and chasing cows and wrestling and stuff like that. So <laughs> um, yeah, just basic farm stuff. And then, yeah. So once my dad got me that, I mean, I was down there pinning myself under bench presses, just making stuff up, throwing concrete weights and backpacks, running through the trails on our property and Savage. just, just, yeah, no, just winging it. And, uh, <laughs> but then, yeah. And then we had, you know, obviously with, uh, football, we had strength conditioning and that's where I really like really, really got into it, especially in uh, high school. We had a fo- new football coach come in and got started with the bigger, faster, stronger program Okay. when yeah. I was like maybe a freshman, sophomore. And so that, that got us a little more organized. Uh, and then by the time I, you know, left high school, we were like eight and two. And then the next year after I graduated, we went to, uh, played in the state championships and lost and stuff. So, oh man, yeah, I saw the value of strength training through that, uh, through football. And I was definitely addicted to it at the time. It was more like it was, it was for football, but it was also, you know, a little bit of aesthetics and, you know, I was, I was reading bodybuilding magazines and making, uh, fish and brown rice and vegetables, bringing my own lunch to high school, like a loser. <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. Everyone had one one guy like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fun to know. I didn't know you grew up on a farm. Like my mom loves to tell the story of when I was five, that's when I got to start like cleaning horse stalls, right? For a nickel a stall. And the real joy was when I turned 10, that's when I got to start bailing hay. It's like, okay, yeah. now you're, you're, you're a real man. You get to go out there and sweat it out for about 12 hours on a Saturday and Sunday and Man, I lost a lot. Hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year, and I lost a lot of friends. Man, a lot of times I'd get them to come one time, and they'd be like, "Oh no, sorry, I'm busy. Can't come this weekend." You know, <laughs> nobody wants yeah, to go. Yeah, the, the farm life. I didn't certainly didn't appreciate it at the time. Like all the work we had, me and my my younger brother, three years younger, um, that we had to do. But now I do certainly appreciate it. For sure, for sure. Okay, so last but not least, you kind of get started. You're lifting weights. You're you know, understanding the role and the value of strength and conditioning. Talk to me about your career path. So talk to me about like first job, where you got started and then level us up to where you're at today. Yeah. So I actually, in high school, I was, I was a very unconfident, very mousy, introverted person. Um, and, but I actually got the opportunity to go play college football at a small NAIA school, okay. uh, here in central Missouri. And, uh, so I went and played because a bunch of my buddies were going. I, I almost, looking back on it, shouldn't have gone because it wasn't really what I wanted to do whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of my friends, I think people expected it of me. And so I went and I played. And I actually was an athletic training major, right? So like, okay. a, you know, uh, doing the hanging out, uh, doing the physical therapy for the athletes being there to do the first aid for injuries and stuff like that. But it turns out I'm extremely squeamish, <laughs> right? So I find myself... Uh, at these basketball games and, and even like cheerleading practice and stuff as, as I'm doing shadow hours and I'm sitting here like, what am I doing with my life? If someone gets <laughs> injured, like I want no part of this. Right. Like I, I, you know, so, um, but anyway, the whole time I was, uh, playing football, I was thinking about, man, I really want to, uh, I'm going to play 
I want to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I want to get into MMA. Like uh, that was really what I wanted to do. I just, you know, took a took the wrong path for a while. And uh, same thing with the athletic training. I was in the wrong major. I was doing the wrong thing. Uh, and all I really was thinking about was the, you know, uh, the fat loss and preventative health side of things, um, you know. And so, yeah, I remember one night sitting in a football game. I remember looking up in the stands and none of my family and friends were there to watch the game. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. No one is here. What, what am I doing? So <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I made the change, man. I, I transferred, changed my major to exercise science, uh, signed up at the first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school that I got the opportunity to, um, left, went to a place I didn't know anybody and just started fresh, man. And I think the, um, not to get too long-winded here, but I think the, what really inspired me was, was I had one summer where I went home from doing all of that and my best friend in the world, Cody, he had gained about 70 pounds since high school, like very, very oh rapidly. Uh, and he was really, really struggling. And he, uh, we got him a job. He moved in with me and my brother. And I, he basically ate with us. We made all his meals. We took him to the YMCA. We were lifting. And uh, over that summer, he lost the 70 pounds. Oh, wow. And he was just, the girls were all over him. And he was confident. And he was happy. And just, I was like, oh, man, like this feels really good. Like that's, that was like the precursor to, me wanting to to change and, and was just that feeling and helping him. I was like, oh man, I'm definitely in the wrong major. So yeah, I made the switch, went to uh, University of Central Missouri, uh, did the exercise science thing, did a little bit of uh, MMA and jiu-jitsu training and uh, had my first and only MMA fight. I am, uh, I retired undefeated after one, nice. one fight, 90 nice. seconds in the cage. Yeah, yeah. So never doing that again, <laughs> uh, but, but it was awesome. Uh, so so yeah, I graduate exercise science, um, and I took immediately, I took a job at a, basically a new gym was opening up in the town that uh, my mom and stepdad lived in, right? So yeah. it was going to be fresh opportunity and I just needed a, a fresh start. So it was a, I worked for a personal training company uh, and I did that for maybe six months and realized pretty quickly that there was no continuing education. There was no like... I wasn't learning. People were actually ask, asking me questions. And oh, I was wow. like, yeah, this isn't right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so at that time I was starting to get into Olympic weightlifting a little bit and, and, uh, you know, still, still very passionate about jiu-jitsu was training at the time still. And, uh, an opportunity came up at, um, the lab gym down in St. Louis, Missouri under Justin, the late, great Justin Thacker. Mm. Um, and basically he had this incredible facility that, you know, uh, people definitely came there for one-on-one -on -one personal training, but he also had the Olympic weightlifting side of things. And in the second story of the building was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu studio. Oh, with, wow. That's perfect, huh? Um, yeah, with a former UFC fighter who was on The Ultimate Fighter with my MMA idol, George St. Pierre. So I was mm -hmm. like, this is this is perfect, right? Right. So I apply. I, I already have my USAW. Um, that helped uh, me kind of you know, secure that position, but it was, it was like a 90, 90 day internship and I got started there and they, it was very, very, very in-depth, um, training you to be just the ultimate trainer. Uh, it was awesome. It was very, yeah. very cool. So went through that process. I was there for five years. Um, and by the time I, I left there, we, we had a uh, little weightlifting team, powerlifting team, CrossFit, uh, like everything, small oh, group thanks. training one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. So um, yeah. And then from there I moved on to, uh, and th th this whole time I'm training 
Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You know, of course, right. I sign up in the studio upstairs. I I start clients at 5:30 a.m. I work through. I go upstairs. I train. I come back down. We do another shift in the afternoon. Working split shift all through my 20s. You know how it goes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then somewhere along the line, I you know I build a relationship with the uh, Jiu Jitsu gym owner, and he says, Hey, man, like let's do an exchange of services. Let me, uh, you know, no membership for you, but you can do my strength conditioning here since we already are in a gym right? Um, a couple times a week. So developed that friendship with him years and years and years. And uh, he eventually asked me to start teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So got started with that. And I've been doing that ever since. Um, but yeah, anyways, I leave there. I go to more of a, I actually went to a uh, TFW training for Warriors affiliate, mm-hmm. uh, which was the only one in St. Louis at the time. And, and it was much more of a small group training uh, place. And we, we, it was much more involved in the nutrition side of things and that's where i really started to um explore explore that side of things because you know before it was very much so like you know if i get an hour with a client maybe we talk a little bit of nutrition in the last five minutes right but it's a very surface level thing and so i just over the years i just kept seeing so many people come in and spend all of their time money and effort uh, and attention on just the training side of things um when a lot of them, a high percentage of them really were there for body composition goals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and they were, they were, don't get me wrong. They were getting much, they were getting very strong, putting a lot of muscle on and, and many of them achieved their goals, but it was, a, the nutrition side was very separate. And so uh, over the years, I was like, man, I really started to like care much more deeply about that, uh, those other elements. And I was like, man, I just, it's gotta be some way this can all be kind of more comprehensive. Um, and so, yeah. And then I found, you know, tailored coaching method. And here I am. I saw uh, the opportunity and I reached out and I kind of knew a couple people who knew Cody sort of. Um, but yeah, I reached out and applied and got started and uh, been here ever since. And how long have you been with Taylor? Uh, a little over a year and a half. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive in here because mm-hmm. something you said in email exchange prior to the show really piqued my interest. Now, you said that you not only love online coaching, which I hope, considering it's your job now, but you feel that the online model is arguably the most effective, especially for fat loss. So can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so I think, again, like I was saying, you know, some people, when I, when I was doing just the personal training side of things, um, all of the attention was on the training side. And then, you know, there was just all of these other elements that then my my clients would be uh, stressed or not sleeping or struggling with, you know, just, just binge eating or like whatever, whatever sort of thing that they had going on. And we just net, we just always barely scratched the surface, um, during our sessions. And it was just, I just didn't have the systems in place to kind of delve deeper at the time, um, outside of our, our session or whatever it was. Right. Um, but now, now with what we do, it's, it's notes, nutrition, sleep, mindset, um, is no longer a secondary thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all one, right? Yes. It's all treated with, with the same importance. Um, and it's just like, it's not, it's not all about nutrition now, you know what I mean? Because, yes. uh, the, after, especially, you know, that many years doing the personal training side of things, I absolutely understand the value of, you know, um, these people not being under muscles, right? Besides mm-hmm. not even mention, not, not to mention all the other benefits of strength training, but, uh, just, just being severely under muscled and, and the effect that that can have. But, so now I love that, you know, I get to talk to people like yourself about everything yeah. of equal importance. You know what I mean? And just, I think uh, there's a synergistic effect when you 
put it all together. And it's not like I am a world-class expert in any one of these things, right? I'm not a sleep expert. I'm not a, I'm not this, I'm not that, but I need to have a good understanding of each thing um, so that I can, we can put it all together versus, you know, I've certainly met people who um, had all the money in the world, right? You know, these people and they had, they had a personal trainer, they had a dietitian, they had a massage therapist, they had a chiropractor, they had a, a functional gut health person. They just, just 50 uh, health professionals that never actually talk to each other about, yes. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I love, I love now that I get to really um, learn about all these things and help my clients kind of put it all together, like synergistically. And I think that's where a lot of people get great results because, you know, what, one thing I tell people is like, you know, if, if they want to lose, say, 30, 50 pounds, whatever it is, there may be seven, eight things, right, that really need to come together before they really get the ball rolling and they really start seeing the results. And what most people do is they they tick that first box, right? They, they, they fix that one thing that was holding them back. And then if they don't see that it moved the needle, it's like they stop doing that one thing that they fix. And it's like, no, please keep mm. doing that. And now let's let's work on all these other things. So yeah. that's that's really the value I see in and online coaching, the communication too is is much much different than just seeing that person, you know, for that hour a day. Yes. Well, I think this was reflected on me probably about a month ago because we did a check in. We do weekly check ins, obviously, and mm-hmm. the entire like feedback video was about sleep because for that particular week, like I think that was the week I took Kindle camping, so I had like two nights where I slept like four hours a night. And I was sleeping legitimately on like, like tree roots. It was awful, you know? And so it was just like a really <laughs> bad week in that regard. And so I just thought that was really valuable. Like, hey, like we could sit here and like tweak this nutrition even more, or we can talk about this really big factor, i.e. sleep that you need to be addressing if we want to continue to get you where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm such a baby about my sleep. It drives my wife <laughs> crazy. She did not sign up for my evening routine. I look like, (laughs) I look like such a dork when I go to bed. I've got my eye mask. I've got this little strip over my mouth so I can breathe through my nose because I've been a mouth breather all my life. I have these horrible red lens glasses that I wear for the last hour before bed. I look like (laughs) Ant-Man. Just, just, and we have a box fan. We have blackout shades. We have a noise, a sound machine. It's like really overkill. Um, and she just doesn't need any of that stuff, never has, right? But I yeah. really had to fight for my sleep um, and protect my sleep, and a lot of people don't. So, I, yeah, I, I love nerding out about stuff like that and helping people. I just had a call with a guy uh, yesterday, a new client that signed on, and that was, you know, when, when I go through that initial process with somebody, I'm looking for those, what are those red flags? What are these things that, that what are the low-hanging fruit that are going to yes. make the biggest difference in your life? Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, I sleep four to six hours Um and he's, he's like, I just have all my life. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to change your life, dude. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. just wait until you feel what it feels like to get seven, eight. You know what I mean? You new and, person. New yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that you and I have discussed and something that you know, part of the reason I got paired up with you when I first met with Cody is like, oh, I got the guy for you. Your niche is basically men who have active hobbies and are trying to optimize body comp. So I'm really intrigued in how you settled into that role and Maybe along with that, what are some of the biggest hurdles or obstacles that you found working in that niche? Yeah, so I think I, I'm i settling into that because because that's me. Right, right. Right? Um, and so, 
you know, everyone has their own, you know, thing that they can like lean towards and specialize in. But sometimes that ends up being just you, you know, you are more most passionate um, and interested about helping people that remind you of the things that you used to struggle with. Right. So yes. um, with with men, um, you know, with it's, it's not even one hobby. Right. I have I have men that do all kinds of things. I've got a guy who's just, you know, scra- dipping his toes into pro wrestling. I have Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, um, you know, uh, Iron Man like. I don't care what, I don't care if your hobby is Zumba, um, <laughs> you know, salamander catching. I don't like whatever it is. I, I think that, and, and I'll relay this back to the jujitsu scene. Cause I think it's, it's easy for me to talk about that and that especially, but like in the strength conditioning and nutrition world, there are a lot of professionals who are taking care of the, um, the people who are only doing that, the elite level people. And, and again, going back to jujitsu, you know, there's, there's plenty of material out there uh, and resources and stuff for the, the young 20 something who doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a family. He sleeps on the mats. He trains three or four times a day. Like his life is metal chasing or jujitsu, right? It's a, it's completely different than most of the men that I work with um, who are more in the, you know, 25 to say 45, even, even beyond uh, age range, you know, they have a busy career that eats up a lot of their time uh, and it's, and it's very stressful or a, or a big travel schedule or, uh, and, or they have, you know, three or four kids at home and a wife and like, uh, just have a lot of other responsibilities. It's just a different, and, and they're not, um, a lot of the men I work with, they didn't grow up necessarily, you know, being these elite athletes who have a, a lot of background in uh, nutrition and had, had strength coaches and stuff like that. So um, their, their hobbies are just as important to them though as anybody else right mm-hmm. and i take it very very seriously just because like you know i'm not a metal chaser anymore i don't compete much anymore it's not that i want it uh, again but i understand now as i'm getting older and i'm married and we're trying to have a kid i understand that like you know like it's still very important to me even though i can't put in the time and effort like you know some of these other people that only are doing that one thing so i just yeah. i really appreciate um helping those those kind of men and women i still have you know a lot of a lot of female clients i work with but i just really like helping them i I see the passion that they have in what they do and that i you know they take it seriously so i'm going to take it seriously too yeah i love it now as you kind of mentioned the bjj thing kind of a big deal for you and you're a high level (laughs) athlete and a coach right like you're a black belt you've done it like 12 years i think you said something like that like yeah it's it's a big part of your life last weekend Wow, congrats, dude. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I don't think I would necessarily classify myself as a high-level youth sports coach, but one thing that I've definitely learned as I've worked with both my kids and as we've gone through baseball and basketball and soccer and all these sports is that I've found a lot of ways to take things that I do with them on the field and apply it to my athletes in the gym. So here's my question for you. What similarities do you see between coaching BJJ and then helping someone with their nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. So there, man, there's there's so many, and that's that's why I love kind of, you know, having such a wide variety of experiences over the years is that you really do start to see that the the framework is the same for all things, right? So learning how to uh, do what you've been doing with your own transformation is is really no different than like learning how to learn uh, in jujitsu or any any other thing. So um, the biggest the biggest similarity I see is what we call in jiu-jitsu the white belt mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, other people might call it a uh, 
beginner's mind or growth mindset. Uh, but really what that means is that like, whether I'm teaching, whether somebody's starting out in jujitsu or they're starting out as a nutrition coaching client and, and like a lot of it's managing expectations, right? Because you may not be as good at this as you think you are going to be. This might take a lot longer. Um, and, and so the, you know, if I'm teaching somebody how to do an arm bar or to say track their macros, it's really no different because I need you to understand that mistakes are part of it. And I need you to hurry up and make them and change your attitude towards those mistakes so that you can, you know, make less grow from them, learn from them. And that, 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 that journey never ends, right? Uh, yeah. you, you're always going to be making those mistakes and learning and growing and that, um, I, it's, it's not a try, fail, quit, do something else. It's a <laughs> try, fail, learn why we did that, right? Refine, refine our plan, mm -hmm. right? So maybe it starts out like, hey, this is your first arm bar and it's arm bar, arm bar 1.0 and it looks like shit. Sorry, I don't know if you mm -hmm. cuss on the show. Arm bar 1.0 and it looks terrible and that's okay. Just like when, you know, you might get some Bambi legged new high schooler in there trying to teach him how to squat and you're okay with those first couple reps. Like he's not going to hurt himself. Yeah. Let him screw it up a little bit. He'll, he'll make the connections, right? Same thing with the people that I work with. People are so damn hard on themselves if they don't do everything perfect in this, this kind of uh, perfectionist mindset. So I really always have to, you know, teach that white belt mindset to my jujitsu students that like, Hey, I did my arm bar looked worse than yours. Right. Yeah. When I started, um, or, you know, they, oh, I just got, hey, I got tapped out five times. Hey, it's like, well, I've been tapped out hundreds, hundreds, if not more times. And I still get tapped out. There's always somebody who can beat you to death like it's your first day. Yeah. It never ends. And so, so that's the biggest thing is the wipe up mindset. Um, you know, or what I, what I teach people in, uh, you know, uh, with, with Taylor's coaching method is, is more of um, a concept that I got from a lady named uh, Kira Bobinette. She'd be great to have on, but she has, she uses the word iteration, right? Mm -hmm. Again, this is your plan 1.0 and we're going to try it. And if we have to make any adjustments, cool. Plan 1.5, 1.2, whatever. Um, and we're making adjustments and the, the plan is evolving and you are evolving and we'll, we'll adjust as we need. But like, yeah, you have to be, you have to be always just ready to learn and make mistakes and see the value in it. And that's, you know, and not quit. That's it. That's most of the, most of the time I get on the phone with people. It's like, Hey, listen, as long as you don't quit, you're going to get there. Yeah, that's literally it. Just keep showing up. You know, it's so refreshing. And I'm sure we've had this point made numerous times on this show over the years. But like when I was coming up, mistakes were definitely something to be feared. Right. Like the perfectionist in me, kind of the way I was raised, like it was bad to make mistakes. And so I mm -hmm. think that's one thing that I've really tried to pass on to my kids is that mistakes are OK. Like you're going to make mistakes. The goal isn't to not make mistakes. It's to make the same mistake less and less frequently, right? You've got to sure. learn from those. And I think that's something that's so refreshing now that, you know, obviously you're not going out there trying to make a mistake, but you're accepting of the fact that they will happen and that the ultimate goal is to learn from them and make yourself better going forward. Yeah, it's just progression. Progression yeah. is, it, it's not, you're not here to win. Um, and it's, you know, that's that's why with, you know, people's, uh, they, that's, that's comes back to getting them to focus on, um, systems and processes rather than always just outcomes, right? We have to internalize their goals. Otherwise, if they're focused on things that they can't control at all, 
um, like whether they whether the scale dropped five pounds or whether they beat this person on the mat. Like you can't control that, but um, we have to give you something to focus on that you can actually like that's something tangible, something you can take action on um, day by day. And that's that's the focus. That's it. Because then you're just trying to get, you know, just better every day. That's it. Uh, that's all I care about. And like in life nowadays is just like I'm just trying to get better at shit. Yeah. Just be yeah. well rounded. I'm just trying to improve. I love that's that's one thing jujitsu's taught me is I just love to learn and I love to get better at stuff. Um, yes. I'm like addicted to progression. I see it in everything, right? Like, you know, just name anything that you do once in a while, but not not often enough to get good at, right? Like, uh, when was the last time you went bowling, right? Right. Uh, maybe you go bowling every three years and you're terrible at it every time. But like, I know that like, if I started going every single week, and I started and I found a I got a bowling book. Or I went on YouTube and did bowling lessons or hired a coach. Like, guess what? After a few years, I might still suck, but I'm going to be a hell of a lot better and better than the average person, right? And that's yeah. true of anything. So now I have that kind of um, that kind of mindset has permeate like permeated into everything else. Like, you know, uh, investing. Like when we have a kid too, I'm going to like, okay, how can I be the best dad I can be? Right. right? So it's, right. All, it's all the same learning process, right? Yes. Yes. Well, and to circle back to something you said there, that's very directly related to weight loss, fat loss, is something you told me early on was to be detached, curious, but detached when it came to the scale, right? So Mm -hmm. like, okay, why is that number showing up today? But also not being attached to the point of, oh my gosh, I'm up three pounds. What did I do? You know what I mean? Like, okay, curious. Mm -hmm. What did I do different? What's good? What's bad? Whatever. So trying to link some of the things that I'm doing attach it back to why that number is what it is, but not becoming emotionally attached to it to where now I'm going to make bad choices, right? Or I'm going to sabotage myself. And so I thought that was a really powerful way to look at things. Yeah, absolutely. Because like the, you got to watch out for the stories that you tell yourself yourself about, like the the first story that pops in your head about like, and, and the scale is a great example because you step on and it's always when the scale doesn't meet like what you had in your head. Yeah. The, your expectation and reality are clashing right now. And mm-hmm. it's not that the scale is the problem. You just had a, you, you just thought it was going to say something different than it does. So you're, li- you're literally resisting reality. Um, and so you have to be very, very careful about like what you expect when you're, you know, doing, getting, uh, getting ready to do something like that, but also what story pops in your head, um, you know, when you see the number and, and not, trusting necessarily that very first uh impression but just you know if it may be a story runs in your head of oh it's because i oh i was such a piece of shit yesterday and it's like <laughs> well maybe right but maybe not let me reach out and ask my coach right let me, let me see what he thinks about it right and all and, and just having that question of maybe that might be true right hey that guy just uh cut me off in traffic he's a he's an asshole <laughs> maybe but maybe his wife's in the hospital right maybe he's right. just in a hurry so you don't know right you just don't yeah. you don't want to make assumptions. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely staying curious to things that, uh, you can't control and having an open mind and just kind of looking at it like, Oh, interesting. And like developing that curiosity is like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. It's just being solution focused. Right. Yeah. Because it, it just, it just, those things will drag you down. Yeah. People, they'll, you'll, it'll make people quit. Yeah. If that, if they experience that every single day, they'll quit for sure. You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm interested in this as well like we've alluded to 12 plus years of your life dedicated to becoming a black belt and BJJ, no small feat. So what have you learned personally about your own growth and your own self-development along that journey? Yeah. So 
I think it, anything difficult, um, sometimes like exposes you to things that you may not, things that you'll become aware of in yourself that you may not actually like about yourself and that Mm -hmm. need to change. Right. We grow up nowadays and everyone tells you, Oh, you're just fine the way you are, but it's not really true. Like you can always become a better version of yourself. You shouldn't, um, rag on yourself and, and feel bad about where you are, but at the same time, like, Hey, yeah, you always can get better. And so jujitsu for me exposed a lot of, put me in a lot of situations where I didn't like my emotional response. I didn't like where my head was at. I, I found that I had a lot of quit in me. Um, and this, this came multiple times, but I remember it was my, it was my very first jujitsu tournament. Um, I think I won my first match. And then in my second match, somebody put me in a triangle submission with their legs wrapped around my neck. And they, they were strangling me for probably three minutes, but just not enough. I and mean, we, were, we were white belts, right? We weren't good right. enough. Strangling me. And I was just fighting with all my might to not tap. And finally, the round ends. I was winning, so I actually won the match. But, like, I was exhausted. I could have thrown up right then and there. Then I go into the next match, and I fight a guy who was so much better than me and stronger and faster and more experienced, probably more handsome. And <laughs> and and this guy just beats me to death. And uh, and I'm, I'm just – at the very end of the match, I remember he's on my back, and he's trying to choke me. I'm just fighting just to keep the choke from coming. And I, my, I can see my teammates, I can see my coach, and, but it's all just like a blur. All I can hear is my own thoughts, like, just tap. You're too hot. You're too tired. He's better than you. You just want to go home, like, blah blah blah. Just all these horror. Like it was just consuming me. I couldn't even like quiet it down. And so anyway, I ended up tapping, but not because he choked me, because I wanted to leave. I was mm. so uncomfortable. I was getting my ass kicked so bad. I felt so claustrophobic i tap and not again he wasn't it wasn't a legit submission i just tap because i quit and uh i go i throw up in the hallway of some dumb high school in missouri and uh because that's where we had jiu-jitsu tournaments back yeah. then and uh yeah and so i throw up and i'm just like and then you got to ride home with that you know that thought and at the time when all this is happening i'm i'm living alone completely alone for the first time in my life in st louis I have my own apartment I, I don't know anybody yet, um, really, except my some of these jujitsu teammates, and uh, I'm just spending a lot of time alone, and like starting to realize through jujitsu, like, man, my mind is eating me alive, right? Yeah. I I was socially awkward. I couldn't even talk to more than two people at a time, uh, because like I don't, I just I would just start freaking out. Uh, I was just really it stuck in my own head, but I didn't know it until jujitsu, and then uh, then I started, you know, started reading. Um, some philosophy, some psychology, things like that. And then, and then just, just kept pursuing that and learning about it. And then and, and it completely turned my life around. And, and, uh, over the years I was like, man, well, this, I'm so interested in this stuff. Like this has helped me so much, but like, this is just for me. But then when I really started getting into online coaching and helping people with nutrition, it's like, oh no, this, this helped me. But like now these little mindset shifts that I've been able to make in myself, it's like, I can help my clients too. So, so, so working, uh, doing what I do now with Taylor coaching method, I think has been this, this wonderful integration of the jujitsu and the mindset stuff and the training and the nutrition, so just everything that I've been working on in my life, just kind of culminating in something that is just, just one big passion. It's been really, really cool. I love it. I don't even uh, remember what your question was. No, that was, that, that was perfect. <laughs> like, like just trying to figure out like your own personal journey and what you've learned from that, because like you do anything for 10, 15, 20 years, you're learning stuff, right? And so you learned mm-hmm. more about who you were. And like you said, the things that you didn't like, 
and figured mm-hmm. out, oh no, these are things, these are weaknesses that I need to bring up in my own life. And I think this next question will kind of bring this full circle because you and I, I didn't know this until you sent me all your uh, your notes before the show, but we're both into things like stoicism, Buddhism, mm-hmm. psychology, and in many ways, I feel like this should be required reading for our field, right? Like we're all yeah. wrapped up in yeah. X's and O's of coaching, queuing, program design, which is great, but this stuff like humanizes a lot of this and helps us have the soft skills necessary to be successful. So how do you feel like diving into these topics yourself have made you a better coach? Yeah, again, it comes back to that, like there were things in me that I thought, well, there's a lot of things that I think we think are just that we suffer from, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like everyone feels like, oh, I'm so, and, and don't get me wrong, it's tailored coaching method, it's, it's customized and you are unique. However, <laughs> we're not all so unique, like snowflakes that like, you know, we don't all struggle with a lot of the same things. So for years, yeah, I didn't know that, you know, the, the fact that my mind would race uncontrollably and uh, all day long, and I would never found a gap between those thoughts. I did not realize that until I started reading uh, Seneca and things like that, right? And I was just like, and I'm just sitting there alone in my apartment and I'm just like, holy crap, this guy wrote this with like probably a feather uh, by <laughs> candlelight thousands of years ago. And I'm like, this is this is 100% the way I'm feeling. It could not be more relatable. Um, and so, but then, and then you start expressing these things and you find out, oh, like, no, a lot of other people struggle with that too. And, and, um, and I see it, I see it in, in, uh, in a lot of the ways my clients respond to stress, the, the stories that they say about it, right. I get these, maybe these really negative check-ins where like, they're just, they're, they're talking to themselves. Like they, like their worst enemy would talk to them. Right. And the process is hard enough. Right. Yeah. So that, that self-talk, uh, that self-talk is everything. Cause you know, it's like, I'm not going to talk to you that way. Why are you talking to yourself that way? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, just understanding a lot of those concepts, uh, and, and again, it all comes back to, I had to work on myself first. Like you gotta, you know, I think in a, in a lot of things you have to really help yourself before you can help your other, help, uh, other people with certain things. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's how it was for me. And I, I see a lot of, a lot of the people, um, that I work with, like little concepts, right? Just the little concept of like your sphere of control is so a lot of the philosophical concepts that, that you've learned and I've learned, um, they're so right in front of your face, yeah. right? And they're so, they're almost cliche. People say them and, uh, you know, focus on what you can control. And it's like, they're right here, but until you really read it in someone else's, else's words and you're, you're going through it yourself, um, you're not conscious of these things, yeah. right? And you don't notice them. You get on autopilot every day uh, and your awareness goes down on some of these concepts. But if you can, you know, that's, that's why like with some of these books, like I just, I just have to go back and I just read the highlights just to remind, you have to, you have to remind yourself over yeah. and over and over because you lose it. You lose yourself you, and you snap out of it and you're like, oh, where was I for the last six months mentally, right? Um, right. And so that's, that's kind of how I feel. So it's, it's been cool to kind of see how that has actually come full circle. And now, you know, I, I, I love talking to clients about these things or just, you know, sometimes, sometimes the best thing to do is not me tell you it's, Hey, go read this book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they come back a, month, a couple of months later and like, Oh my God, like this was, it, sometimes people just have to read things for themselves. You know, yeah. what do you do with somebody 
because I know you're not talking about me. I don't talk badly about myself. <laughs> or at least no, I try not no. to on my you've check-ins. Been, you've been really easy, trust me. You've been extremely easy. <laughs> well, I like to hear that. But in all seriousness, if you do have somebody that's just, like, you can just tell. You can tell by the way they're writing their responses, the way their check-ins are going. Like, they're just, like, beating themselves up. Like, how do you get somebody out of that cycle? You talked about telling them, go read a book. But, like, what are some strategies you've used? Yeah, so, I mean... Those kind of people, I, I, I'll be like, hey, let's let's get on a phone call. Yep. Right? And most of it is just me asking the right questions to kind of help them reframe, reframe things and just look at it. It all comes down to being logical, right? And, and a lot of people are, or sorry, rational, right? Mm-hmm. How can we look this, how can we look at this? Um, how can I get you to look at this exact scenario uh, through someone else's eyes or, you know, the way you're talking to yourself about how you did this weekend at the winery with your girlfriends and how much of a piece of shit you call yourself, what would you say if that was your daughter who did that or your best friend or someone you cared about very deeply? Yep. You would not, absolutely not treat them. What you would say, oh, hey, don't worry about it. No big deal. Right. Let's just get back on on Monday, right? So, but people don't do that, right? So it's just, just asking the right questions and just, just kind of reframing things to where they look at it. How can I get you to look at this extremely logically and rationally and stick to the facts, right? Mm-hmm. What are the facts? You, uh, <laughs> you had 13 uh, glasses of wine on <laughs> Saturday, and you uh, joined a hot dog eating contest at the local fair. Okay, <laughs> cool. But that's those are the facts. That's what happened. Now, everything you're saying about it, and what you're calling yourself, and the way you're saying, "Oh, I've blown it," and this and that. No, that's secondary. That's not the facts. That's just what that's just what we're adding to the situation. It's not helping us. Yeah. Um, it's making you feel bad. And it's just, yeah, it's just not helpful. So, so yeah, I think uh, that and then, you know, those kind of questions, those kind of talks and, and just it's all comes down to reframing um, and getting them to say it out loud. Right. And just getting them to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I why am I talking to myself like that? And it takes a while sometimes. But um, otherwise, man, it's it's just recommending certain books or um, getting them to start practicing certain habits, right? Like whether it is, uh, meditation or whether it is reading and, and some of those habits that people are, they're resistant to, cause it's uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable to sit, uh, and read a concept that is dead on about exactly what you go through in your life. And you got to, uh, uh, tingles. Yeah. It's just, I don't like that. Um, and then same thing with meditation. It's super uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Uh, but these are all, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of what I do is just getting people to do things that are uncomfortable now, but make your life better in the future. Not things that are very comfortable and pleasurable now, but make your life a little worse in the future. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, that's food, that's drinking, that's TV, that's what you pick your vice. Um, makes you feel good now, probably makes you feel a little worse later, whether it's cause you slept worse cause you had a nightcap or you woke up and you were a little hungover and you don't go to the gym. Uh, where you wake up and you're bloated and the scales up and you're like, man, I had fun yesterday, but I feel like ass today, right? So yeah. that's that's most of what it is is just reframing it and get them to think think more think more long term, not just what do I want right now. It's like what do I want eventually, right? Yeah. And just comes down to you know values and and all those things. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack there. It, it is. <laughs> I talk about it, that all day. Yeah, it it is. But man, I think the reframing for me. There were a couple times where like maybe not negative self-talk, but like other things that I had said where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just feeling like uh, a little restricted. 
and I don't remember the exact way you framed reframed it, but you're like, hey, you can look at it like that, or you can look at, hey, this is something I get to do, and ultimately, you know, I'm making better choices, so I have a better long-term outcome or prognosis. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, damn, he is absolutely right with that. So, you know, yeah, like that reframing choice, can be right? powerful. It, that was it. It was yeah. just like, hey, this is a choice. Like, yeah. you're choosing to do this. So do you want to see the result or not? And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done complaining now. Yeah, well, and, and you know, one funny thing is, is people, they do kind of get like that, right? They're like, oh, my gosh, I just really feel restricted lately. I just, like, feel like I can't have this and I can't have that. I can't have pizza, blah, 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 which was never anything we ever talked about, right? But it's in right. the head right. uh, from just years of conditioning. But one way I'll reframe that is I'll say, hey, listen, you're an adult. You're 30 years old you have money, you have a car. If you wanted to, you could literally go have, you could drive right now and you could eat a pizza. You can have pizza for the next meal and you can have it for the next meal and every day for a week because you're an adult and no one will tell you not to. You do right. whatever you want to do. Um, but you don't. Why don't you do that, right? Because after the first time or maybe the second time, you're like, oh, yeah, I feel terrible, right? Yeah, exactly. I feel sick. I feel, yeah, this is this was only fun up to the third or fourth piece and now I just like, now I feel terrible, right? So it's always reminding yourself, like, you can do that. It's like, oh, you're sitting in your cubicle and you're like, ah, I hate this job, hate this, I hate that, I feel so trapped. It's like, but you're an adult with money in a car and gas. Well, maybe pre pre uh, gas prices, but <laughs> you could go get in your car. You could go drive to the ocean today. Yep. Just don't even tell anybody where you're going. You can go to sit on the beach all day, but you don't, right? right? So it's just reminding yourself that, like, you you can go get pizza pizza at any time. No one's stopping you, right? You're just choosing not to right now because you're focused on your goals, right? So it is, yeah, it just comes down, like you said, to to reframing and remember that it's all a choice. Like you hired a coach, you wanted to do this. It's all good. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay, big question time. If you could alter Uh the space-time continuum and give young Trevor Ratsky one piece of advice, what would it be? Man, this is, um, (laughs) this is gonna sound like it's avoiding your question, but I am very much so like really impressed and surprised with how my life has panned out up to this point. And like just all these little coincidences along the way where, you know, had this not happened, then I wouldn't have met this person or this, you know, I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity. Just all the chance things that come up that, um, that when your life is really kicking ass that you just sit back and you go, man, this is great. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at with, with life right now. It's like, it's really, really awesome. So if I go back, it's like, I don't know that I would ever, right. you know, I like, like every little thing, every little dumb thing about myself that I didn't know or needed to know or whatever, like it all worked out. It all got better. Um, every, every hard thing that ever happened to me, every person who, who died or left me or whatever, like it, it, it all worked out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's never, it always sucks in the moment, sometimes for years, but like sometimes that, that worst thing that ever happened to you or, um, you know, ends up being the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. Just, it's just a matter of time. Right. So, so I don't want to avoid your answer too much there, but like, I really, you know, I'm really happy with where things are. And I wouldn't tell young Trevor shit because I don't want to alter this. I don't want to, (laughs) I like, I like where Trevor's at right now. I'm very happy. That's a very stoic answer of you too. So I'm impressed. (laughs) I'm impressed. Okay, dude, last but not least, we got our lightning round. So six fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. Cool. Number one. What's your career highlight so far as a coach? Oh man, you know, there's been a lot lately, but there's there was just one. This is this goes back to my personal training days. It was my very first 
time working at a major facility down in St. Louis and I was, you know, only had a six months experience under my belt. And this very wealthy doctor walks into the studio. And at the time we had this program where people could sign up for, they could get a personal trainer for five or six days a week. Very oh expensive. Yeah. And yeah. And add the dietitian service on. So it's very, very expensive. He, he walks in, he says, Hey, my daughter here, she's struggling. Uh, she's gained a hundred pounds since high school. Um, we're all going to, if we like this place, we're all going to sign up. We're all going to buy six day a week trainers. We're all going to do this. So, so my boss comes to me, wow. I'm a new trainer. He says, Hey, you're taking the daughter <laughs> She'll be the, and, and, and you better kick ass. Cause right. this is a lot this of money. Guy is gonna, this guy's keeping the lights on for the next however many. He said, Hey, I'll be here for life. Like if I, if we like yeah. this, you don't take care of my daughter. We'll all be here with supporter. Uh, and it was hard and it was really hard, but this chick showed up with me like six days a week and she filled an entire spot on my schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, it was just like, Hey, at 7am you see this person, right? Every single day. So, um, man, I worked with her for two years and she ended up losing a hundred pounds, but not only that got like strong as hell and just completely turned her life around. Like wasn't drinking anymore, like this and that, like that, that's one sticks out to me. Um, just because it was, it was really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, it was really crucial at the time for that, for that gym. And I'll never, ever forget that person. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Number two, what's the highlight of your BJJ career? Ah, oh, man, you know, I, I was, I was not a great competitor. I've been on the podiums, right? I'm always uh bridesmaid, never the bride, or right? I'm always at second place, you know, right. at least at the bigger tournament, second place, third place, whatever. Um, so man, it's, it's, I love when, when my students, obviously when they, when I teach them and they go like take one of my moves, like they, they pay, you know, maybe for like a private lesson and I teach them like some takedowns and they go to a tournament. They're like, Hey Trevor, I hit your takedown. Like, perfect. Like that kind of stuff's cool. But like when I see, when I see students that I'm working with, cause I, I, I entered, I inject a little bit of philosophy here when I'm talking about jujitsu because sure. I want them to realize, Hey, this isn't just us in a padded room with pajamas strangling each other. There's a lot of deep shit going on here right. that you might not see yet. So I always try to, you know, point these things out. But when 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 you really see students start to like open up after a couple of years and they're like they're they're walking taller, their posture has changed, they're confident. They're they're looking you in the eye when they're talking to you. Um, things are just going well in their life and you see that like, man, they got that promotion. They got married, they got this and that and they they are not the same person that showed up, you know, two years ago as this first day white belt with no stripes. Like they're just evolving and they're, they're, they're me, yeah. right? They're yeah. me when I started, when I was just a mousy little weenie on the mat and, you know, uh, and just, you just helped every aspect of my life. And now I have this great life. So I just love seeing that. I love seeing that with my students, um, young, old, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, just how jujitsu permeates into the rest of their life, their career, all these things. I hear it all the time. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Number three. Give me one to two resources for someone who wants to get into stoicism. Oh man, I think, uh, you know, it depends. Some people would recommend like kind of the modern takes, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, say Ryan holiday, stuff like yeah. that. But I think you got to start with the basics. I think, uh, you know, you definitely need to, I, I, I recommend anybody read anything Seneca. Cause like when I read that stuff, I was like, I was blown away. Um, so I recommend any, any and all Seneca, uh, any and all Marcus Aurelius. Um, and then I think, you know, there, there are, if I want to go, uh, you know, 
<laughs> just this one's for coaches uh, and you might like this one. So um, there's a book called the philosopher's guide to rash, uh, to cognitive behavioral therapy. So modern cognitive behavioral therapy. And this guy explores the influence of, you know, stoicism and even Buddhism on like the roots of those things. So like how, you know, modern psychologists are implementing stoic techniques, whether they're conscious of it or not. And so I think that one's a great one for, uh, for coaches looking to say, Hey, how can you take these concepts and help your clients? Uh, it's, it's a really not well-known book, but it's really awesome. I go back through it all the time. Okay. I'm definitely, I'll make links to all that in the show notes. So if you're listening, go to the show notes and you can find all those. <laughs> Number Absolutely. four, talk to me about the difference between tracking, then eating versus eating, then tracking. Yeah. So everyone is busy enough as is and has enough decisions to make throughout the day. Right. Yep. And you don't want to be the person who is, uh, gets off work and is standing in the kitchen, looking through my fitness power, chronometer, whatever, in front of your kids, getting frustrated, trying to figure out how much of this do I need? How much of that do I need? How am I going to make this work? Um, that's not how the tool is meant to be used, right? That's frustrating. I would hate that. You would hate that. Um, don't set yourself up like that. Use it as a tool to plan your ideal day, right? Yeah. If you want, if you want half a carton of Ben and Jerry's, like you probably shouldn't, but if you wanted to, you could plan that into your day. So you have something to look forward to, or, you know, a couple bites, whatever it is, um, you know, chocolate bar. Uh, but the point is it's, it's, it's just like how, you know, I need to time block my schedule, um, so that I have less decisions to make on, hey, what time am I going to go for a walk today? When am I going to go to the gym? What am I going to do when I'm at the gym? What exercises? How much weight? How, how many reps? Like, it sucks. If, if you wake up every day and all that stuff is unknowns, it's super stressful. And the, the uh, likelihood of you getting decision fatigue and, like, your willpower crashing is pretty damn high. So if you can just walk up to a meal, you know, and already know what you're going to eat, uh, it's so, so much easier. And it's, it's way easier to track, like to make adjustments on the fly. So yeah, the mantra is eat what you've tracked, right? Don't track what you've eaten in hindsight, because then you're being reactive and you, you get to the end, of the, the end of the day, you type in everything you ate and you look at your totals and you go, damn it, I blew it by 500 calories. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, right? Because right. you're winging it. Well, it's, it's what they call, you know, macro tetra. So I think there's a lot of value in, in looking at, uh, every part of your day and going, okay, how many number of meals am I having? Four. Great. What time am I having those meals? How much time, time am I going to make for those meals? Right. If you, if you got a busy schedule, right. Some people yeah. have uh, not that much flexibility and control of their schedule, but yeah. How many meals are you having? What time are you having those meals? What time are you training? How long are you training for? Right. Um, what protein are you going to have at each meal? Are you having fruit and or veggie at each meal? Like when, are, how are you going to move your carbs around? Like just, just having that structure in your day is really, really powerful. And then going and planning it out. Um, it just makes you feel really, really good when you get up and you know what you're doing that day. It's just, it's just efficiency, right? Yeah. I love it. That was, and I know it sounds simple, but <clears throat> I think that was the, one of the best things that you taught me was instead of being reactive, Hey, just like you plan your workout, plan your meals. And then, you know, mm -hmm. every day, like, hey, this is what I'm going to have. I know I'm going to hit all my numbers and less stress, no fuss. And you just feel better about everything. So, yeah, that and was it is. it's just like workouts. It's just like training, right? Yeah. If you show up to the gym and you walk in and you go, I don't know what I'm doing today. It's not going <laughs> to be a good session. It's not going to be productive. You're probably not going to make much progress, right? Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't know when you're going to work out, you might not. 
Yeah. Right. Exactly. It might just keep getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, and you might not ever go to the gym. So, um, same thing for a meal, right? People do the same thing. They skip their meals because they never decide, oh, when am I going to do it? And then crap, I worked right through lunch. Now I'm hungry. Now I'm going to go binge. Yes. Right. Um, so more structure up to a certain point, a yeah. structure, but with a template that's still flexible. That's the key, right? Yeah. So people fight structure, but it makes you feel really damn good when you've got your shit together and you've got things planned out. Yes, for sure. Okay. Number five, as a nutrition coach, is it ever hard to stick to or comply with your own nutritional program? <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, just finished up a cut a couple months ago with, uh, <clears throat> with my own coach. Right. Yep. And I picked the worst time of the year to do it, uh, but that's fine. That's, that's what <laughs> I did. And I worked, I did it through the holidays, through lots of travel and stuff like that. And yeah, um, sometimes you find you're like, Hey, I'm not being a very good client this week. Like right. I just messed around all weekend. I made not the great choices. I'm making this process take longer than it, it should take. Yes. Um, and now, and that's okay. Right. Because I think, but, but you know, uh, well, first of all, that's, that's <clears throat> a testament to like coaches should have coaches and coaches should put themselves in the shoes of their clients so that, you know, you kind of get a feel for what your, uh, what your clients are going through and what you need out of your coach. Um, but also coaches and clients, you people are like, Oh, cool. I'm just going to bang this out in three months and I'm going to reach my goal. It's like, maybe, but you might not be as adherent as you think. Right. 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 You might dick around for the first three months and <laughs> but we'll get you there. Right. So people, right. It, it happens, right. People, people are not, um, they don't have it together as much, uh, as, as they think and, and myself included. Right. Sometimes as, as long as they're, I, I, but I was never going to not get my goal. That's, that's the thing. I was already mentally committed. Like I'm going to get there, right. but because I am still being too flexible on the weekends, this has taken way longer than sure. it really should have. So, uh, shout out Tyler Minton. It took way too long, but <laughs> yes, my fault. <laughs> it happens, man. Okay. <clears throat> Last but not least, number six, what's next for Trevor Ratsky? Man. So <clears throat> I will talk about this because I think no one ever talks about it and it can be a really lonely process. But, you know, right before this podcast, I just got back from the fertility clinic. My wife and I are going through the IVF process. It's super stressful. It's really, really crazy. Um, but hopefully the next thing for Trevor is uh, being a dad. Yeah. Um, being a father this fall. And that's uh, something I'm really, really excited about. And it's just, it's just going to be like anything else where it's, I'm just trying to be as well-rounded as possible. Right. I want to, Yes, I want to be healthy and fit, but I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good uncle and son. And I want to be a great jiu-jitsu instructor and a great nutrition coach and, uh, you know, have my health, have my wealth, have my happiness, have peace of mind. Um, and just try to try to balance all those things. Uh, and, you know, I uh, it's important for me to be to be a great father because, like, my biological father, father, like, just ditched me as soon as he found out my mother was pregnant and I don't even know him. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I tried to find him like on and like through. I did the whole ancestry when I had a lot of free time during COVID and yeah. uh, got pretty close. I found a sister that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, that could be a whole other podcast. But uh, so, anyways, long story short, yes, it's very important for me to be a great father. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, like I told you before the show, I'll be thinking about you. Hopefully, that goes as expected. And uh, you know, when we catch up next time you're a dad and you're telling me all the things uh, that you're doing right and wrong. And I always joke around, but 
when I hear somebody's like, oh, I'm expecting, I said, okay, great. Once you have this kid, you come talk to me. I'll tell you all the things not to do. So, <laughs> yeah, it's nice because I have my uh, my brother just had you know twins a, a few years ago, and so I get to make my mistakes with his kids, and then my yes. my kids will be better off. You know, yeah, no, they'll be great. His kids man. are screwed. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Trevor, man, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all your help too. Uh, really appreciate it. You've been amazing as my coach. So, where can my listeners find out more about you? Man, so I'm not super great with the online presence. I do have an Instagram, Trevor Ratsky underscore TCM <clears throat> or something like that. Um, honestly, I don't post much on there. Uh, I just post like some client success stories because it's, it's more fun to talk about them than me. But uh, I'll, I'll get out there. I'll get some content going eventually. But I would absolutely follow our page, Tailored Coaching Method. We are all over Instagram. We have an incredible uh, website, blog, podcast, Tailored Life. Uh, we have an app, The Tailored Trainer. We are now on YouTube and our fearless leader, Cody McBroom. You should follow him and then follow all of our coaches as well. We are a team. Love it. Love it. Well, again, Trevor, this has been amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Have a great day. All right, my friend. That does it for this week's show with Trevor. Really hope you enjoyed it. Man, I love this guy. I mean, he really helped me these last six months feel great about where my body's at. Not just like how it looks, but how it feels. Uh, I love the fact that I feel more understanding, more conscious and aware of how to properly fuel myself. Uh, and, and not just in like a maintenance phase, but if I ever want to bulk, I know where I need to be. If I want to cut, I know where I need to be. And I hate those terms, so I hate even using them, but you know what I mean. It's like the common vernacular in our world. But regardless, Trevor's been amazing. Uh, I've loved working with him, and you know, if you ever have questions uh, or concerns, take the time, man. Like Cody and I talked about this on our episode, but you know, if you live 80, 90, 100 years, it only makes sense to take six months to a year of your life to work with a nutrition coach and figure out kind of what your body needs and how to dial in your own nutrition. So can't say enough good things about Trevor, about Cody, and the entire process. So uh, definitely check them out. And if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, one of two things. Number one, if you're not already subscribed, do that right now. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon Store. Wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now. Hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. If you are subscribed, appreciate it. Go one step further. Share this you know, podcast. Share this show with somebody that you know, wants to learn more about nutrition. Maybe they're struggling with their weight, with their body image, with their self-talk and how they're framing, you know, their thoughts around food. So share it with them and let them know like, hey, there is a better way to do this. And if you're on this like yo-yo dieting train or, you know, following like the fad gimmick diet of the month, there is a safe, uh, effective and sustainable way to eat, to fuel your body and to just feel great. So I hope that came through in this show. Really hope you enjoyed it. As always, man, love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.